Wow. It's always great when the ministry time happens before the sermon. That's the passage I'm preaching on. You didn't know that. So yeah, wow. Praise God. He's sorting it all out for us. I, 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 told, I asked the guys to get in the book called Soul Winner and then didn't plug it at all. And so I think about minus two copies have been sold from the bookshop of Soul Winner. Um, has anyone in this room never read a book by Charles Spurgeon? You can feel the shame in the room. It's one or two bold hands, first of all, and then slowly, gradually, five or six hundred go like that. Let me just read you a quote. And I'm not joking. There's quotes like this on every page. The great truth is the cross, the truth that God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Brother, keep to that. That is the bell for you to ring. Ring it, man. Ring it. Keep on ringing it. Sound forth that note upon your silver trumpet, or if you only have a ram's horn, sound it forth, and the walls of Jericho will come down. Yeah, that's just why it's a little... They're going to open the bookshop, especially between 1 and 1.30, to flog about 500 of these. Please buy it, otherwise I'm dead meat with like RM admin team. They are going to be after me. So, but please, if you can, it's a great book called Soul, The Soul Winner. And it's Charles Spurgeon's lectures to the students in his Bible college concerning everything that they must be about, must be about soul winning. This is wonderful, wonderful, rich stuff. So, um, okay, uh, before I start preaching, I felt the Lord um, speak to me uh, in the shower this morning, a word of, give me a word of knowledge. Um, Anyone here kind of in zombified mode? Yeah, okay. So you know that mode where you just basically stumble from one room sort of to the next, trying to work out where on earth your, the room is. You're, I've got quite a good sense of direction normally. So I sort of do laps of this place, thinking I'm sure I saw you <laughs> about two minutes ago, standing in a very similar place. So it's because I've just done a lap again, you know. I mean, I'm normally pretty good. I mean, I'm not surprised that Simon Terry from Frankfurt's getting lost because Simon struggles to find his own bathroom indoors. But uh, me, I've got a decent sense of direction. And I've just been stumbling around, half asleep, tired, getting lost. This place is wonderful, but, you know, it's always, it's always a sense of relief when you find the main room. You know, that relief. It's like, oh, it is still here. <laughs> it's massive, but, you know. And so I'm in this kind of zombified state. And it's always fascinating at conferences to watch the extroverts and the introverts. Because the extroverts get more and more excited every day, and uh, they just can't stop talking. They're, they're high as kites right now. They are loving it. There's more conversations to be had after this meeting, and they are looking forward to them. The, the introverts are in fetal position, rocking backwards and forwards, sucking their thumb, saying, how long, oh Lord, how long? So um, it's, always a, it's always a fun kind of thing going on at these sorts of conferences. Um, and if towards the end of the week you think, it seems like the toilet cubicles are always locked. There's none free anymore. It's the introvert. <laughs> it's the introvert. It is a, it is a tried and proven winner. I'm just going to sit in here 15 minutes and rediscover who I am. <laughs> so there you go. Um, so I'm in the shower. And, and I... I tried to turn it off, but in my zombified state, instead turned it from hot to cold. <laughs> yeah, I woke up, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I just bolted involuntarily when I did that. And then as soon as I bolted, very, very clear sentence in my mind. 
it just formed. It wasn't my own thought. It was one of those thoughts. Um, sudden movement. And, oh, yeah, sorry, context. As I bolted, my back nearly went. I've got a bit of a funny back and gets worse at conferences. I don't know why. But, um, uh, it, 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 and I felt it twinge. I thought, oh, and I stood there, and then it was sudden movements can cause great damage. And at conferences like this, we get inspired, and there's momentum and things, and we love that. But I just feel we just, let's move wisely. Let, let's, let, you know, let's move wisely. Let's do it well. How we get there is as important as where we get. I just, you know, so there's just something there I felt the Lord wanted to say for some of us that have been stirred to momentum over these days. Okay, well, let's go to 2 Timothy, um, where we've just been. Um, Tom, thank you for leading us so boldly and vulnerably into that wonderful, wonderful time. Um, it was actually so providential as I'm walking and thinking, how are we going to do the ministry time? But you've done it, so it's just it's brilliant. I can just preach. Um, so thank you so much for that. Um, what, what I want to do in this message um, is, I guess, talk about, I'm, I want to try and put some words to what we've been experiencing in, in the atmosphere over these days. I want to just try and kind of help us to hang it on some things biblically. Because it's been a very special atmosphere. Have you sort of noticed that? It, it, it is genuinely like family. Um, and so I wanted to talk a little bit, I guess, about, about the culture that, that the Lord is wanting there to be among his people. Um, if you do sort of, I don't know, A-level sociology or something like that, they will tell you that culture essentially exists in, in essentially three things. I'm sure it's much more complex than that. But norms, values, and beliefs. So... A culture is created by, by, firstly, your norms, the things that just, this is normal for us. This is, this is what we do. This isn't, this isn't weird for us. So what is normal for you makes that part of your culture. What you value, the things that you think, no, this is really important. This really matters to us. We want to fight for this. Your values make up your culture. And then your beliefs, the things you really believe, the things you deeply, deeply believe. And, and the culture that is created leads to an atmosphere. It, it leads to... You know, you walk into a room and, and, and you, they, you can breathe different kinds of air, if that makes sense. Sometimes you, you, can, you can go to two churches and they may doctrinally believe the same thing. But the air is very different. Do you understand what I'm saying? They can, may all tick the same box in terms of, oh yeah, we, we, we believe these things. But there's, you think it's, they couldn't be more different. The atmosphere is, is uh, it, it's, a, it's a totally different air that we're breathing. And I, I guess I just felt as I was... Uh, thinking about this message today to try and help us kind of um, um, hang it biblically, understand how, 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 how have we got this beautiful culture and how do we guard it? And how do we grow and deeper and deeper uh, into it? Um, because, because I think there's something about the air that you breathe that kind of forms kind of who you are and, you know, and, it, and it impacts the way you're nurtured and the way that you grow and who you become. Essentially, so it's, it's absolutely massive. It really is, it really is huge. And um, but it's sometimes it's hard to define. I'm going to try my best. Just looking at this, some of the things that Paul says to Timothy. Um, I mean, let's bear. I, I don't know what Paul thought when he was writing. I don't know whether he knew he was writing scripture. I don't know. But it's important for us to remember that what's going on here is Paul is writing to one person. Paul is writing to an individual. Whether he knows. <laughs> That, you know, it's going to go across the whole world. I don't know. Holy Spirit knows. But there's something very intimate here in this letter. And I want us to appreciate it in that way. 
It's not Paul thinking, how can I influence the whole of Christendom? It's Paul primarily saying, I'm near the end of my race, and I want to write to my son in the Lord, Timothy. I just want to write to him, and I want to, I want because I, I, I carry him in my heart. And I, I want to make sure that I've done all I can so that when I'm with, with the Lord, I've poured myself into him and said all I can say and done all that I can do. And we're going to just work through some verses in the first couple of chapters. Um, this is not going to be the most polished sermon in the world. Um, but I trust and believe that the Lord is going to help us as we do this. So we just pray and thank you so much, Lord. For We're just grateful. You're so kind to us. And we pray for just continued manifestations of your kindness as we get into your word, um, so that we can grow really healthily. Um, you know, you want us to be really well-rooted. You want us to grow straight and strong. And that's so beautiful when we know that. It fills us with such confidence. And to help us to steward, Lord, all that you're doing among us, I pray. For the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So let's start in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. So it may not come up because um, I didn't tell the guy what I was preaching. So sorry. <laughs> My bad. Um, verse 1, you've got a Bible with you. Um, maybe we could, if you get a chance, that'd be great too. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Now, I want to say this reverently. Paul, Paul was probably a bit extra as a person. It's all right to say that. Yeah, it's all right to say that. Because as, as people, everyone except Jesus is a bit funny. Amen? Right? So what they write is infallible. So this is infallible. It's perfect. It's wonderfully true. But Paul is a person. I would imagine that he wasn't always the easiest person to be around. And he, he, he knew how to talk. He would talk and talk and talk into the night. Um, and so you think it's quite, an, it's quite a, it's, it's, who knows what Timothy's thinking when he reads this introduction, you know. You could have said, it's me, Paul, because they were close. But he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that's in Christ Jesus. Like, okay. But I want to pull something really important out of this, and it's this. This is where I want to start today. That pretty much whenever Paul mentions God, he mentions Christ Jesus. It's very hard to find somewhere where Paul mentions God and doesn't mention Jesus, or the Father and doesn't mention Jesus. And it's so, so important for us that we remain, that we remain in a clear place on this, because Jesus is God's final word. Jesus is the final revelation of who God is. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. I mean, it's outrageous, isn't it? But it's a wonderful revelation of the truth of the Trinity. And it's so important that we, that we stay clear and strong on the name of Jesus Christ. Because God, in, in people's thinking and language, can become so vague. But when Paul's writing to Jews who had a clear, monotheistic framework, whenever he talks about God, he's still talking about Jesus. It's not enough just to be monotheistic. When writing to Gentiles with their, with their polytheistic framework of many gods, God our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's the same thing. And it's so important that we stay true and explicit in this. Because as soon as you start saying, well, we'll just take it as red. We don't need to say it. It no longer becomes uh, taken as red. It becomes neglected. And th- we don't want to be a vague people. It's so important. Because you, you, when you say the name God, people interpret it in a thousand and one different ways. Particularly in this part of the world. Wherever you go in the world, people interpret it in various ways. And so that the name of Jesus be on our lips. That's the name. That's the name that the Father has exalted above every other name. 
That's the name in which is salvation. That's the name which will make people stop in their tracks and think, okay, I now know what you're talking about. You're talking about Jesus. And the response to that is in the hands of God. But it's so important that we remain faithful to the name of Jesus in the way that we speak. To Timothy, my beloved child. There it is. There it is. Paul had delegated him to go to do some work in Ephesus. He'd sent him. He didn't say to Timothy, my delegate. My, my, the one who I sent. My beloved child. That's New Testament culture. That's New Testament air. I love you. And I've invested in you. And it wasn't just for pragmatic reasons. It's because I care about you. And God joined our hearts together. To Timothy, my beloved child. And, uh, you know, to, to be in a nurturing family environment is so safe. Because you're not constantly thinking, am I in or am I out? <gasps> Do, uh, are we okay? Have I performed well? And has it been, you know, there's a security. And when you're secure, you flourish. When you're insecure and you try to make yourself flourish, it all goes wrong. You lock up. You know, I mean, I've been in, sadly, Christian settings over the years where I've just, well, I'm locked up. I'm, I don't know what to say. I feel intimidated. Why do I? I've, I've been in Christian situations where I've deliberately gone to the meeting late. I didn't want to talk to anyone. Because the conversation was all seemed to be about performance and it's, it was felt like there was a competitive undercurrent. And I thought, I just can't do this. To be in family is not like that. To be in family is where there's so much ease that every now and then you just you may have to pull it back a little bit because I didn't mean any harm there. I was just fooling Simon about your toilet. You know, you, you, this, there's, when there's family, there's ease, there's banter, the masks are off. You know that feeling when you go indoors and you go, that feeling? Where's my slippers? Yeah, I want to I do some shuffling about. <laughs> I want to just shuffle because I'm indoors. There needs to be something of that in our, in our culture where we are at ease with one another. We're not trying to show each other how good we are. I mean, it's ridiculous. We're supposed to believe the gospel. The whole message is, is that we failed. And we spend half our life trying to show each other how good we are. It's like, well, what, what is this? But to be, to, be, to, be, to be at ease with one another because we know that Jesus is our qualification. It just changes everything. And yet it's so basic, but it changes everything. And, and the more we express that and, and live in that and allow that to permeate us, the more you think this feels more like family. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. I do. I, don't, I know you don't like it, but Mike, I just want to honor you so much. Look at you sat back there in the full throw as if, as if you're not responsible for anything that's going on. <laughs> We're really... Really, so much of this has come out of what God's put into yourself and so wonderful helper. We bless you guys. We honor you so much. Thank you. Oh. I was just going to say, I'm going to stop before I start crying, but actually we get into crying in a minute. This is going to get, we're not going to get sentimental, but emotion's okay. Okay. Um, Although he stitched me right up the other night. When Mike Pilavachi did the ministry time, he said, Mike or Steph, you can come and do the ministry time for that carnage that went on. Yeah? <laughs> I looked over to Mike and he was like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm happy. I stood up and I thought, 
what, what am I supposed to do? Like, what, what, what do you do? I looked over the mic. He was laughing his head off. <laughs> laughing his head off. So, um, right. <laughs> so, yeah, it was fun. Um, now, listen, here's another one. <clears throat> Verse 2. We might only get a few verses today. I don't even actually, what time, where's Peter? What time do I finish, Peter? Oh, he's not here. Oh, hey, 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 just keep going. <laughs> Great. All right, so here we go. Grace, mercy, and peace. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, this is huge because some people say, well, this is just how people greeted each other in those days. So it's just, well, it doesn't mean much. Do you know what? Or, or, or they just kind of Christianized it, but it's how everyone greeted each other. Paul was not afraid of being unconventional. If Paul wanted to do it differently, he would have done it differently. This means something. Brothers and sisters, this is, when, when Paul writes letters to people and they are doing outrageous things as believers, he starts, he starts his letters by saying grace and peace or grace, mercy and peace. Because he's saying, do you know what? Whatever happens and whatever difficult conversations we've got to have and however awkward it's going to get, at the end of the day, we are all sitting under the grace, mercy and peace of God that comes to us in Jesus Christ our Lord. And that is the context, that is the environment, that is the air we're breathing in as we're helping one another grow in Christ and move forward. It's ever so important that we, that we never move out of that to a place of harshness or just pragmatism or just, well, we've got to get this thing done. Most shortcuts are dead ends. That we don't just bypass it. Well, it'll be more expedient. We'll get there quicker. You may not even get there. Or you might get there, but you'll be by yourself. You've killed everyone else on the way. That was a bit dramatic, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Right, so here we go. Verse, verse 3. I thank God whom I serve, as I did my ancestors with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. I mean, Timothy's on his mind. He cares about him. Praying for you night and day. And what's been really exciting, I mean, enough was really exciting last night, but to be honest, what's excited me more is as I've walked around this place doing my laps of various squares and rooms and corridors and then out into the streets, people just praying with one another. And you think, this is the culture of prayer. This is, hey, let's look to the Lord. You know, let's just commit that to God because that's, uh, we don't know what to do there. You know? And just people ministering to one another. That's beautiful. And that's when Paul says pray constantly. It's that kind of environment that he's looking to produce. We're, we're looking to the Lord together. And we in that place of dependency upon one another. And he says to Timothy, he says, As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Oh, isn't this wonderful? As I remember your tears, you see, we know of Timothy that he actually wasn't the head and shoulders sort of guy. He wasn't like that. He wasn't naturally type A. He wasn't that sort of leader. And yet God raised him up. God raises up all kinds of different personalities to leadership. For Timothy, and there's no right or wrong in it, but for Timothy, he was a bit, he was a bit tender. He, was, he, wasn't, he wasn't a go-getter, naturally, it seems, by what the things Paul has to say to him. You know, have a bit of wine for your stomach, you keep getting ill. You know, this thing about timidity, it was to Timothy. It's to believers, but it was to Timothy. Come on. Because he would probably lean that way. And he says, I don't remember your tears. I probably lost and it went, Timothy had a little, little mini moment, you know. I can't do this without you. You know, I remember your tears. And when I remember your tears, I long to see you. Now, that, that is so wonderful because, you see, the Bible teaches us that, that, that God comes close 
to weakness. When God sees us in our true state, when the mask is down, he doesn't move further away. I long to see you. This is the heart of God. I long to see you. Well, why? Do you think tell me off? So I can be filled with joy. I want to see you because it's going to fill me with joy. I mean, what kind of nurture, discipleship is that? You're aware. All of us are aware, aren't we? Where we're not quite there and you think, well, I'm a bit weak there or I'm a bit struggling there. And then, and then you think, I wonder what sort of impact I have on those who are nurturing me and looking after me. And they're going, I long to see you because it's going to fill my heart with joy. And you go, wow, what is this? I'll tell you what it is. This is the gospel. This is the gospel being worked out in the church because it's exactly what God has done for us in Christ. He's seen us in our broken estate and he's come near to us in Christ. And he's clothed us in righteousness and now he delights in being with us. It's stunning, isn't it? And so that's the air that we look to develop and breathe in together. I long to see you. And then we get to this bit. I'm not going to go into as much depth as I would have done because Tom's done it. But, you know, he says, he says, but he says I'm reminded of your sincere faith. Now, this, you've got, this is, is a big moment for us, even to hear this, even though after we've prayed, it's that thing I said the other day, you know, it's okay, it's, it's good that we remind you, it's no trouble to us to repeat ourselves and it's safe for you. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, you've got a heart for God. That's what Timothy did have, you've got a heart for God. And then he says, after saying that, he says, it dwelt in your mum and in your grandma, for this reason, for this reason, fan into flame the gift of God you've got a heart for God. So because I can see you've got a heart for God, now fan it into flame. So it's so important that we, have, that, that we let the Holy Spirit give us this sincerity of faith where we just want to honour the Lord. And those of you that I know, every one of you that I know in this room, I know you've got this. I, know, I see it in you when we talk and I, I think there's so much sincere faith in this room. Hallelujah. I mean, it's, it's oh, you can feel it. It's the heart for God. It's wonderful. For this reason, guys, Yet stand on that. Don't allow yourself to be moved away from that. Don't allow Satan to win the day with his accusations. Oh, you're not really sincere. You're just trying to do this. You're just trying to, you've got mixed motives. Of course you have. For goodness sake, of course you've got mixed motives. We all have. David did with Goliath. Sure, he, 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 he said, what, what, what's going to happen to the one who kills the giant? Family's going to be let off taxes. Going to marry the king's daughter. Hmm, I'm just going to find out. Can you just make sure? I'm going to ask someone else. <laughs> he took notice of that. But do you, know what, do you know what the foundation was? Sincere faith. Who are you to defy the armies of the living God? You see, so when his brother comes in with the accusations, how easy it would have been to, have, to just crumbled and gone, yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't step out. I can't be the guy. You know, I'm so mixed. We will always have that until glory. We just got to learn the habit of, by the Holy Spirit, crucifying it. Just keep killing it. Just keep killing it. And learn to laugh at yourself and just keep killing it. <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's what it is. So I'll ask you again. Ridiculous. No, in Jesus' name. <laughs> keep going. That's what I do. See? And so, so for this, so where there is that sincere faith, now come on, fan into flame. He didn't even say, ask God to fan it into flame. Fan into flame. Fan it into flame. You do it. It's important. You know, some of you think, oh, Lord, cast that demon out. No, you do it. Oh, okay. You know, it's, there's things for us to do that is an absolute privilege for us to do. And one of them is this. Fan into flame the gift of God within you. 
This is, you think, well, why? I'll tell you why. Because God's strategy for the earth is a multi-diversely gifted body of Christ who are operating in the gifts they've been given. Then the kingdom advances and we hasten the day of Jesus' return. It's pretty huge, guys. So if you spend the whole time saying, no, it couldn't possibly be me, that's actually quite a problem. Or, well, someone else will do it, but that's not the point. I hope that's not come across harsh, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, if, I, if it's always someone else who's going to pray for that person, or always someone else who's going to step out and be bold, or always someone else who's going to show hospitality, well, what if everyone's thinking like that? We're in a bit of trouble. And one of the things I've realized as a pastor is so many people do not realize their contribution. And like this kind of false humble thing Tom was talking about, it's kind of like, well, you know, and, but it's not godly. It's actually ungodly. We've got to be able to say, this is who I am, this is how God's me, this is where he's gifted me. And I'm going to find my place in the body and contribute to the purposes of God with this, to whatever measure he allows. You have to be able to do it. And then you have to, be, have to be able to say, and this is what I'm not. This is what I'm not. I'm just not very good at this. I really need lots of help here. Um, this, is, this is real weakness for me. And just, then you can get fruit, fruitful and it's so impossible. So please, God, I want to just encourage us. Let's keep fanning into flame. Because what happens is then, then you get the body of Christ on the earth. And you get the body ministering to one another. And you think, wow, this isn't about one or two superstars. This isn't about, you know, the emphasis of the New Testament is a people saturated with the Holy Spirit. Leadership is in there. Leadership matters. But the emphasis is everyone is now saturated with the Holy Spirit. Their gifts are being shed abroad in every direction. Um, regardless of gender, regardless of social standing, regardless of ethnic group, everyone, the, the floodgates of heaven have opened from Pentecost onwards. The Spirit is being poured out. We are a Spirit-saturated people. And we've all got something to bring to one another. That is the emphasis, the wonder, the glory, the triumph of the new covenant. Of the new covenant. Moses back in the day was saying, would that every one of God's people be prophets? He was, he was seeing something of what God wanted, what was in God's heart, and he was carrying it in God's heart. Brothers and sisters, we are living in that day. Fan it into flame. Fan it into flame. Just don't neglect. Don't listen to the lies. Don't do that. So, I want to just take us to the second half of things now, where, where Paul... Paul says in, in chapter 2, and I want to, uh, we've just got to go here again. He's chapter 2, he says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strengthened by the grace. You think, well, how, what is grace? Here's, what, how does grace work? Well, listen to Paul's uh, description of grace just a few uh, sentences before. He says this, he says, God saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before times eternal. What the heck? You were given grace in Christ before times eternal. At some point on your journey of life, the Spirit of God woke you up to that, and you got born again. But you were given grace in Christ before times eternal. God called you before times eternal, not because of works, but out of his holy purpose. This is the grace of God that we find ourselves in this place. We go, how did this happen, the grace of God, the kindness of God, the generosity of God, the free electing love of God? And we don't try to uh, get under the bonnet of the mechanics. It's way too mysterious, but we believe it, we love it, we drink it in, and it gives us such security. When you live in that place, you get strengthened. You say, I can do this. 
I didn't start this. He did. And he called me according to his holy purpose. So I've got a part to play in his holy purpose. Wow. We've got to keep telling each other these things. We build one another up. We build one another up. We look at each other through eyes of grace. You've been called from before times eternal. Wow, what's God going to do with you? That creates such a glorious culture of encouragement and, and stepping out. It's absolutely staggering. That's how the weak become strong, by the grace of God. We're weak in and of ourselves. We find strength through his sufficient grace. That's how we operate. Is that right? That's how we operate from start to finish. We never, ever move beyond that. And then he says, And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. It's four generations in that one sentence. Paul, Timothy, faithful men, others also. Pass it on, guys. We've got to learn to pass it on. If you've got a month in Jesus, you've got something to give to a new believer. We get uh, such a powerful word on perfectionism. We get so locked up. God doesn't use us because we're impressive. He uses us despite of us. Do we actually believe that? <laughs> he does. God's Father's like, give it your best shot. Have a go. We've got, this, is, this is far the heart of God's stuff. We've got to get so through on that, haven't we? We all stumble in many ways. It's the word of God. It's written. It stands forever. Okay? Except for when we're in glory. It won't be the case. But you know, it stands forever in terms of... Now, we all stumble in many ways. You're going to get it wrong. You're going to, it's going to, your manifestation of being used by God will be imperfect. Okay? Can we all just get that one settled in our hearts? Breathe that one in. We cool with that? Seven or eight of us are. Any, 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 are, we, are we cool with that? Let it get into you. It's so important that you let it get into you. Part of what we do as those who serve others is that we make our apologies when we get it wrong. That's what you do. Because it's going to happen. It's just it's how it works. It's how it goes. It's so important that we pass it on what, God, what God's given you. Just tell us this is what God's done in my life. That's what he's done. It brings life to people. Go, wow, it's amazing. Tell you what, it's not about being impressive. It's about just sharing what the Lord's doing. I tell you, it creates a culture, creates an atmosphere. You go, this is, what is this? Wow. God's at work in everyone. Exactly. It's new covenant. That's what it is. That's how it works. It's absolutely stunning. And then we get into the stuff that's a bit tough. Sharing suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Endure. Some, some um, translations say endure suffering. As a good soldier, Christ Jesus. There, there are seasons, brothers and sisters, where part of what we do is we tough it out. We just tough it out. So it's hard at the moment. We want, we want that sort of culture. Don't we? We, 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 you, you haven't got to turn up thinking, oh no. Yeah. I find, you know, sometimes you think, I don't know, people say, but how's life in London? You think, that's all right. <laughs> you know, just, or, or how's the church? You think, oh no, quick. Think of something amazing, you know. And God is doing amazing things, but it can be like a, pre- like a pressure. Do you know what I mean? Or, you know, or what's the most exciting thing that's happening in your life at the moment? Like, ah, uh, tempted to lie. Uh, you know what I mean? It's like, because, no, I pray, God's doing amazing things, and I'm so, I'm, I'm there. Do you know what I mean? But, but there is also this, some seasons where you feel like, ah, it's just, it's, I'm yeah, hanging in there at the moment. 
Now, that's, a tr- that's, that's victory right there. That's victory right there. That's overwhelmingly conquering through him who loved us. You're still here. You're still in the game. And you got hit. You've been in the, the day of evil. Or you've, you know, you've been pruned back. You've, you've gone through stuff and you're like, man, alive. And you, you just know. As Emma shared last night and with Kevin about, you know, their, 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 their tragic loss of friend. They just know God is carrying us. Through. This is through. And you just become more confident in the grace of God that he can carry us. And you grow in confidence in him. And you become less self-reliant. And the Father's going, you're becoming just like Jesus. So to hang in there and to just keep your eyes on him produces the right culture. Because it's not the kind of culture, we get that church culture where everyone, everyone's always got to be, you know, in the zone or kind of like on the mountaintop. What happens to people when they're in the valley? They don't show up. Or they show up and lie. But we don't want that kind of culture, do we? We want the kind of culture where you can just be honest, speak the truth in love. Sometimes it's like this. There's seasons. Paul says to Timothy elsewhere, preach the word in season and out season. There's seasons. Sometimes you're really in season. Other times you're like, oh, I'm really not in season. But I'm still going to serve. Just crack on, you know. But it's, I'm not in season. It's, it's fine. We, he is the unchangeable one. We are very changeable. But we stand on him and he is unchangeable. And we keep our eyes on him. And so there can be a steadfastness that gets built into our life because we're standing on him and we're looking at him. But the reality is, in the midst of it, there can be all kinds of things going on and internally, you know, stuff that God takes us through and you go, I'm being, I'm being reduced right now. Because I've been fruitful and he wants to make me more fruitful, so he's reduced me. Because that's how growth happens. The Christian growth curve is not like that. Or whichever way you look at that one. <laughs> Thankfully, it's not like that. It's like that. <laughs> but it's like that. You know, because there's these, it's very complex and multi-layered, but he knows what he is doing because he knows us perfectly. And we trust him. And he takes us into the glorious, glorious places by his grace. Going to begin to wrap things up now. Uh, Verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ. Here it is again. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David. As preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. Remember Jesus Christ. I want to read that quote again. The great truth is the cross. The truth that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Brother, sister, keep to that. That is the bell for you to ring. Ring it, man. Ring it. Keep on ringing it. Sound forth that note upon your silver trumpet, or if you're only a ram's horn, sound it forth. And the walls of Jericho will come down. Remember Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Remember, he is alive and well. He is seated on the throne, and he is gathering all his enemies under his feet. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Paul to Timothy. God's word to us today. And then I love this. I'm suffering for this gospel, bound with chains, but the word of God is not bound. Here's the challenge. If Paul could have the influence for the gospel that he had whilst in a dungeon, brothers and sisters, we have no excuse for the word of God not sounding out from us powerfully. There is no excuse. And we will suffer for it. 
we will suffer for it. That's not being negative, that's being biblical, and it's girding ourselves so that we don't fall into the trap of waiting till it feels easy. And as a result, not sounding forth the gospel. Because listen to this, I don't know how this works, but it's extraordinary. He says, therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Now, don't ask me how this works, but Paul ties together his endurance with the salvation of the elect. I can see the eyebrows very, very furrowed right now. These are deep mysteries, brothers and sisters. But Paul says, I endure everything for the sake of those whom God is calling in Christ. I know God is calling out a people that he has given grace to in Christ before times eternal and that he will quicken and he will awaken and I endure everything for them so that, so that they may obtain the salvation that is theirs in Christ, you think. Okay. That's, that's weighty. Because what it does, it says, brothers and sisters, we trust in the absolute sovereignty of God. But we are willing to embrace a real sense of the weighty calling of God on us to share Christ. It, it, in, the, in the wisdom and providence of God, it works into that extraordinary dynamic. Us enduring hardship, hanging in there, proclaiming Jesus is extraordinarily powerful in the spiritual places. And somehow works together in synergy, in, in co-laboring partnership with the eternal purposes of God to have for himself a people for himself. So I want to encourage us who may well naturally be timid, may well naturally be weak, very aware of what we are not. I want to encourage us brothers and sisters and encourage this culture of recognizing who we are in Christ Jesus. Who he has made us. And say, Lord, I am going to receive who you say I am. And let that get so into the fiber of who I am that I live out of that. This isn't just, come on, believe it, act like it. No, Lord, get it into me. Get it into me. Because when it gets into you, it comes out of you. You're not just trying to kind of look the part. When it gets into you, you go, man, alive, this thing is changing me. And you start saying things and you think, how did I just say that? Well, because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. How did that come out? It got into you. You let the Lord get into you with his powerful, alive truth. And work on you. And flow through you. And get into the very fabric of who you are. And reconstruct you into the glorious image of his son. And you start smelling like Jesus. I think that might be it. Yeah. Did that make sense? Let's pray. Is Peter here yet? Oh, the five minutes. That was a long sermon, sorry. Five minutes. I guess what I'm really just going to ask us to do, I, I wonder if for some of us in the room, 
it may just be a moment of, of kind of wanting to say before the Lord, uh, this is the kind of air I want to breathe. This is the kind of culture I want to promote and pass on. This is, this is, I'm sure it's true for all of us, but I just feel that sometimes it's, sometimes it's good for us. When, when the spirit kind of arrests us, it's like there's, there's a moment to say, wow, yeah, this is, this is what I want to be about. And Lord, I want to I breathe this, this new covenant air into my lungs in such a deep way that, that, it, that it comes out of me in, in ways I've never known before. You know, as I'm saying this, I, I, feel, I feel actually, it's probably, I think it's actually better for us to just do this together. I just feel this may be a bit of a corporate moment for us. Is that peaceful with that? Yeah, thank you guys. Um, okay, let's stand together. And I, I, what I want us to do is just a bit of a, I guess a bit of a prophetic act is just kind of, we should, this should work quite well because we're in a Quaker room. Just do some deep breathing, you know what I'm saying? Just... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Just have, I want us to, as a bit of an act, just say, look, just have some moments of literally breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth. And what we're saying is, Lord, we w- I want to take this into my inner being. And, and we want to we breathe this into our inner being and take it back to our local churches. And take it back to our towns, cities, villages, communities. And breathe it out. Yeah? So let's just do that for a moment. You know, it might feel a bit weird, but I think it just be quite, it's just, just breathe it in, all right? Just, we haven't got to do it all at the same time, but just, just don't worry about, you know, one, two, three. Let's just, just start breathing, right? <laughs> breathe it in. Just, just spend, let's, we're going to spend a couple of minutes. We're in the presence of the Lord, and we are, through this, we're saying, Lord, this is what I want. This is what, this is, yes, I want this air. I want this culture. I want to be a carrier of this atmosphere. Let's just do that together for a few minutes. Breathe in affectionate relationships, Lord. Just we say, Lord, we don't want to just be pragmatic or functional. We want to, we want to love one another, Lord. We want to be filled with joy at being in one another's presence. Breathe it in, Lord. Lord, we want to fan into flame what you've put in us. You want to stop saying, "I couldn't possibly." You want to shake that off now. We want to get that out of us, Lord. We want to breathe in part of the body of Christ, like I was a part to play in purposes of God, marked out for me before time's eternal, good works prepared in advance for me to do, I breathe it in, take it in Lord, take it in oh Lord, breathe it in Lord, we breathe it in the willingness to suffer, help us Lord. Particularly those of us in the room from the West where life is just so easy and we can just hide away in comfort. We, I just want to pray there would be special grace given to us as we breathe this in now, Lord. The willingness to suffer 
for the gospel and not to keep quiet about the name of Jesus. Give us grace, Lord. Help us, Lord. Keep working on us, Lord, I pray. Keep working on us, Lord, I pray. Put the fear of God in us, I pray, Lord, that would release us from the fear of man, I pray. Put the fear of God in us. We would revere you greatly. We would, we would care about your fame and your glory. We would not go vague on you. You have revealed who you are. How dare we define you and keep things, but you are who you say you are. We breathe in boldness, O oh Lord, that comes from transformation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you are doing among us. Thank you for the liberty of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the security of being able to be who we really are in you and with one another. And for the liberty, the, that, the brightness of that in a dark world. We are so grateful to you, Lord. We just want to say again, we never tire of saying it. You're amazing. <laughs> we really love you. We are, we're, we're really grateful to you. We're really amazed by your care and your tenderness and your patience and your power and your majesty, Lord. And uh, Lord, we just say we want to be faithful with all that you entrust to us. Help us in that, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>